What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we're going to catch up with our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast. We're going to talk all things SEC with him, the future of scheduling, what's going on down in Destin, and much more. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, uh, Locked On SEC is free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And shout out to our everydayers. All right, let's jump into it. we got plenty to discuss. Let's welcome in our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored podcast, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Vern Funquist, uh, V-E-R-N. There's no E in there anymore because uh, Twitter got very angry at him for some things that he said. So uh, welcome in, Mark. Everyone's angry on Twitter today. Like, every everyone, and it's not one of those, like, fun ones where it's like, this is endearing. I can't wait for football season. It's right around the corner. <laughs> well, let's dive into it because the SEC, man, we, uh, for months, we've been talking about What's going to happen when Texas and Oklahoma get here? This is supposed to be 2025. It's now happening in 2024. And the big talking point, Mother, has been what's the future of the scheduling going to look like? And almost everybody felt like the consensus had come to, we're going to go to a nine-game SEC schedule. You're going to play three non-conference games. You're going to go from four to three. Um, and there would be a three permanent um, you know, rivalry uh, thing kind of kept for every team. You'll play three teams. Everybody else will rotate. Everybody thought this was a great idea, except when Greg Sankey came to the table and said, you know what, uh, if we're going to go from eight games to nine games, ESPN and ABC and SEC Network, we need more chunk of change. We need some more money here. And uh, apparently they're trying to call ESPN's bluff. And they're saying, look, we'll play one year with eight, you know, of, of eight team, eight games in the SEC and keep everything the same for 2024. We'll just bring in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, where do you come down on this whole thing where we are right now? So bottom line, like above everything else, as long as this doesn't mess with us getting to see all the games in a season, like, like if this turns into like a big 10 pac 12, 2020 type thing, I'll lose my mind. Or if like they start showing games on the CW, like after one tree Hill, like the pac 12 is trying to do, or, or like on some sort of streaming advice that I have to remember another password for, I'll be upset. But like, I get it. Like everything is based around money now and it sucks. It, like that's, that's like what this sport has like become solely focused on. And I think there's positives to some of the stuff. I think there's negatives. I will say what, what, the one thing that said to me, what you said was everyone thought it was a good idea. And I don't know if that's entirely true. I feel like we all thought it was the, the only idea or the best idea or not the best idea. I'm sorry, like the, the final idea that they were going to go with. And I think after everyone kind of saw these scheduling models that people put out on social media, it was just an assumption from all of us that's what was going to happen. Like, the more it drags on, the more confused I am as to why people want to go to nine games in the conference. Like, fans would want to do that. And the only reason I say that is, like, like I understand they have the 12-team playoff. I understand, like, you know, you want to have better games if you're a fan, blah, blah, blah. I like, I like winning. I like, I like watching my team win. 
<laughs> and if you're the SEC, that's all you've done for over a decade and a half. So why would you – like, you you have the upper hand in any negotiation. I'm like, why would you want to change it? Yeah, it's um, – and, and to your point, I mean, look, I, I thought a couple of years ago when they brought this up, you know, I thought maybe you could get away with playing two permanent crossovers where mm-hmm. you play, you know, two rival games. Because for the most part, three is pushing it, right? Like for Auburn, yeah. you keep the Iron Bowl and you keep – Georgia and those two rivalries stay for Bama I think you play Tennessee and you play Auburn right like I think most schools we could get away with just two but from what I was told was the math doesn't work out the one thing Greg Sankey has told me every year at SEC media days when we sat down with him is his biggest goal with the with the SEC is getting back to or getting to a place where we're not going a decade between Bama going to the swamp or we're not going a decade where LSU doesn't go to Lexington, Kentucky. like Or a lifetime of Georgia not going to AM. Yeah, so, like, we wanted to make it where for every four years you go play at a venue um, yeah. and you see everybody in the conference, you know, every other year. I think that made sense mathematically. And so that's where I think uh, – and, and, and let's be honest. I mean, the SEC has been criticized by other teams, other conferences, because other conferences do play nine-game conference schedules. And the SEC has been sitting at eight and – you know, I mean, there's there's some there's some schools like I think Georgia, Alabama, LSU, they've all done a good job of scheduling that season opener, you know, game in in the Chick Fil A kickoff or right. LSU going to do the home and home with Florida State. Like th- there's some there are some schools who have taken advantage of that, and then you have some other schools that have scheduled four cupcakes and said, you know what, we're just going to get to our six wins and get to a bowl game. And and like you know, to each their own, and more power to you. Like looking at you, Mizzou. Like, you know, like that's – they don't leave the state. Florida, I, I, I'm i not making a joke here. I didn't know there were so many different directional schools in Colorado <laughs> until I saw – because, like, Florida hasn't left the state this early in over 30 years. Right. I mean, so, like, like the only time that that ever happens is, like, a monitor. It's like I, I don't really understand where – like, like what, what I get so frustrated about is – what this always turns into is like a very lazy argument and, and like, you know, pointing the finger at like, well, these people, like if you, a big 10, like big 10 fans constantly complain about it because, and the only example they use is week 13. Well, look at week 13. Like we're playing conference games. I'll tell you what, man, if you're playing nine conference games against Purdue and Indiana and Northwestern, unless that like, I, I don't know, unless they're playing with 22 on 11, I don't see why that would be so difficult. Like, I, like I, there's nothing scary to me about playing a ninth conference game. The, the big 12, I get it. It's a really a lot of parity top to bottom in that league. I just think that like, if the SEC goes to 12 or goes to nine conference games, I, I, I'm not sold that they're, that they're going to get as many teams in the playoff every year, like it's a foregone conclusion because it's going to be a war and just analyze itself, I think, every year. Hold it right there, Marler. We'll uh, get back into this with you in just a second. But uh, first, I want to remind you guys, uh, thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And a reminder, this episode is presented to you by friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel throughout these NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, again, go check them out. Great promotions going on there every day. A safe and secure app, easy to use, and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place 
to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash College. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Continuing on our conversation here on Locked On SEC and continuing with our buddy Chris Marler from the College Football Uncensored Podcast. And Marler, um, a little bit more on the schedule. Uh, let's let's hash this out a little bit. Let's say the SEC does agree this week in Destin that they're going to stick with an eight-game format for 2024. Mm-hmm. Texas and Oklahoma come on over, and they tell everybody, you can only play one permanent rival this year. Everything else is going to be a jumble. Let's run through a who are what? Give me like your top games that we have to protect at all costs. Georgia Auburn, I, I love that. I love that rivalry. It's Deep South's oldest rivalry. It's my favorite rivalry in all of college football. So we lose it's the Iron Bowl. Their, what's that? You lose the Iron Bowl in that in that case. I mean, yeah, but like I love that rivalry, and, I, and I'm thinking of like traditionally, right? Because like losing so many of the traditions, like I feel like that we are we're familiar with for years and years and years because everything's changed so rapidly. Um, that's just my favorite rivalry. Maybe that's like not a, like a must keep, but like LSU Florida, I, I feel like you gotta have LSU Florida. That's one of my favorite ones as well. You're, I, I feel like you don't agree. Um, Bama Tennessee, uh, South Carolina A and M, just because the history behind that trophy game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so <laughs> that's interesting though. You say we give up the Iron Bowl to protect Auburn and Georgia and Bama Tennessee. I, I think some people would agree with you there. But I also feel like the Iron Bowl, when we talk rivalries, to me, that's number one. I think it's kind of overblown. I think people, I mean, they, those two te- fan bases hate each other for sure. And there's not much else going on in that state. But when you talk about like a series, I has done it all the last several years. And also, it's kind of a point of view, they're never going to get rid of the Iron Bowl. Uh, but like when you talk about the conference's oldest rivalry, and up until a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the series wins were was like deadlocked at like 51 and 51 and like two ties. Um, you know, but that seems like for a long time in my life, that was always a, a great game. Same with LSU Florida. It seems like something always happens in LSU Florida. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it feels like it's always like must-see TV. Bama, Tennessee, if Tennessee's trending up, I mean. Yeah, I, I would. I would make the case that, at least for LSU, like LSU A&M or LSU Arkansas would be ones you'd have to keep. And again, this is so tough because we're having to choose one. So, like, if, if Texas and Oklahoma come in and we say, well, you guys are paired, we don't get Texas A&M Texas because you can't right. do that one. So, again, this is just the the complicated nature of if we decide we're going to keep this at eight games – we're doing away with the East versus West and right. everybody only gets just one permanent rival for a year. And again, keep in mind, they've said they would revisit it after that. And maybe right. we do expand to nine games and go to the three game permanent and the rest rotational after that. But like um, the Egg Bowl, I think old Miss Mississippi yeah, State. I was going to say that's got to be number one. That's the, e- that's an easy one. But like what happens to Vandy and Mizzou and Kentucky and like, who do these teams get? So they're going to pair Vandy and Kentucky together, and, and everyone's just going to forget about both those teams. <laughs> well, um, you know, Mark Stoops would say, I'll take that, uh, if, that's yeah. our, if that's our permanent rival rivalry game. But, um, no, it, it's just going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. I just don't understand Greg Sankey being a guy that, I mean, has a lot of 
like he's very forward thinking and plans mm-hmm. things out and has done a great job of expanding this conference and his time here and all this. I just thought we would be here. We are a year out and we do, still don't know like what the plan is for next year for scheduling. Whereas at least some of these other conferences have made those decisions. And again, it's been based on TV deals and money and all yeah. that. I get it, but come on, SEC, get your crap together. I will say too that like just even he, like like thinking about it even more after you asked the question because like like my mind immediately went to like not the bitter in-state rivalries, the end of the year rivalries that we've seen for for you know like all of our lives, like the Egg Bowl, Iron Bowl, like some of those cross divisional matchups is kind of where my my mind would go. But the thing with Sankey, like 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 I guess. I will always say he's smarter than I am, right? Like he's he's I mean clearly he's he's done a really good job and like you say he's very forward thinking. He's been ahead of the curve in almost every single time like a major change has come up in college football. That being said, the only wish I have out of this is that like like I said we don't miss any games, but also as long as there's thought going into it based off of the benefit of who's consuming it and who it's impacting. Like if if, if they're just making the decision based off of trying to pulling a Kevin Warren and and like strong arm somebody into doing something that's only beneficial for a very select few. I don't like that at all. Like, I mean, you have to keep some sort of thought in like at the top of mind as to, is this good for the game? Is this going to grow the brand and the game? CBS has announced the SEC on, on CBS, the final season. We know mm-hmm. this is the last time we're going to get, uh, you know, Gary Danielson and uh, the whole crew there at CBS. But they announced this week that September 16th will open the SEC on CBS play with Georgia playing host to South Carolina. Say whatever you want about that game. But uh, the folks over at Saturday Down South, uh, Keith Farner, I believe, did this. He predicted some of the games coming ahead on what could be the SEC on CBS game. So I just want to get your thought uh, a week later, September 23rd, he's predicting Auburn at Texas A&M. You okay with that as the SEC game of the week on CBS? This is going to shock you, but I, I didn't do my homework beforehand where I could see all of the different options that we would have. Um, <laughs> and I should have obviously done that. I mean, like, I, I think that I went to that game last year in Auburn, and I will say it, it takes a special group of fan bases to to watch two then three and five teams. Like, play for nothing really and and have it still be that like loud and passionate and i think the same thing no matter what the records will be um will happen in college station i'd be fine with that i, th- I think that'll be and also i think one of those teams could sneak up on, on somebody this year yeah and, and the hugh freeze um you know it's 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 like a it's a homecoming like good fun year for Hugh Freeze it's a tough year for Jimbo where he's like trying to save himself so it's kind of a weird interesting dynamic the the only thing I would say is that week is uh Bama versus Ole Miss that one Mm -hmm. could mean something you know could be a a big one um you know that early in the season but um again probably the right decision there September 30th he's got South Carolina at Tennessee man that's we're talking about the Gamecocks and Shane Beamer getting two of the first three SEC on CBS games. I, I, I got to think this means Shane Beam or Spencer Rattler's playing his ass off, if that's the case. I, and I feel like also that's Georgia Florida or Georgia Auburn as well. Um, I want to say Bama and Arkansas, maybe like like that's Mississippi, like, Bama, Mississippi State. There's a real possibility there that that South Carolina, as long as they get by UNC, which is a tough game, um, they should be three and one headed in that game, right? I think that'll be the fifth game of the year. Tennessee, I think everyone is just assuming they will be like 
they're back and it's like it's 10 wins or bust like from here on out. I'm telling you that the Tennessee Florida game, which was if you remember this, always the first SEC game of the year on CBS every single year for like decades. Um, I think everyone just kind of assumes, including myself, really, that that they're going to blow out uh, Florida. There's like a tricky game in between South Carolina and Florida that Tennessee has to play against UTSA, and they will most likely win that game. But sandwiched in between there, I, I just I think that if this this game loses all of its luster, if, if both teams, if, if one of the teams isn't undefeated. Yeah, I mean, both teams could have one loss at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one that week is LSU at Ole Miss. That that one could be in play as, as well. Uh, the October 7th game, they got Alabama at A&M. Look, I don't even need to look at the rest of the schedule to know that game's just become really good for some reason. And even when A&M stinks, look at them last year. They were at the goal line, had a chance to beat Alabama. So uh, a- A&M, uh, Alabama at A&M, to me, that, that one makes sense as a CBS primetime game. Yeah, I agree with that. And then October 14th is a doubleheader prediction with A&M at Tennessee and Auburn at LSU. I don't know. I, I don't agree with Keith there. I don't think they're going to use their doubleheader option on. I, and again, that's a, this is a lot of A&M we're getting on this SEC on CBS. And, and I tell you what, it's weird that like we kicked off the season with the like best team and best program in the country right now and the two-time defending national champions. And I understand that schedule is is weak. It's no fault of their own. But, like, usually you would just be clamoring for as much Georgia games as possible. Right. I know they can only do five a year, but geez. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. We're this much into the season and we still don't have a, another Georgia game. October 21st, he predicts Tennessee at Bama. Um, that one, I mean, is almost a lock, right? That, 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 that will be that a CBS game. Yeah. Uh, just for a simple... Even if Tennessee's got a loss or two, payback for, for last year. October 28th, it's the Florida-Georgia game. That that's We don't even need to discuss that. November 4th, he predicts a doubleheader. LSU at Alabama as the night game, the primetime CBS game. But he's got Arkansas at Florida as a daytime CBS afternoon game. I found that an interesting choice. I feel like they did that in 2015 because the Bama-LSU game was that night and they did a, a, a noon game or maybe a 3.30 game where – it was Florida at Arkansas, and I don't remember the records or anything like that, but, like, yeah, that's an interesting matchup. I, I don't think – I mean, the schedule must be pretty light that day because I know Georgia and Florida would both – wait, Florida's playing – that's right, they take the they take the week off beforehand. But yeah. like, the schedule has to be pretty light if we're going with two teams that – the ceiling has to be eight wins, top. <laughs> well, it depends how much you love the Kentucky-Mississippi State rivalry. I mean, that's a big one right. that's played that day. But – uh and by the way, that early CBS game, they used to be the one they would throw Tim Brando a bone and be like, Tim, you get out of the broadcast or the uh, the booth in New York. Just go call a game for us. But uh, right. shout out to Timmy B. Uh, a few more here. November 11th, they predict Florida at LSU. That's just an interesting one that it's so late in the year. I mean, like the second week of November, we're getting Florida at LSU. But that's also, we get Kentucky uh, versus Bama that week. Mm-hmm. We get... Uh, Georgia, Ole Miss that week. So there's some that'll in- be the game. You think that one? Yeah, I mean, because like we don't ever get to see that game. Yeah, and you know Georgia's not getting a night game. Yeah, and it's Ole Miss at Georgia, by the way. So that's that one will right. be tough. Uh, just a few more here. November 18th, they've got Georgia at Tennessee. I think yeah, that one will be. And again, even if Tennessee's got a couple losses, that one will be there. And then right. lastly, November 25th, the Iron Bowl. I think that's a lock. And injured and hair, especially. So yeah. I mean, like, and there's still something is going to happen like it happens every year where there's going to be a team that starts out 
remember, like, I feel like the last couple of years, Arkansas uh, has been a team where they've started out like four and zero in September, and and like you know doing really really well, and they get caught up like in a couple of like big games and big matchups early on. So there's going to be some like you know. I feel like CBS darling that we're not going to see coming. Like it could be Kentucky. I don't know, but it, it nothing said in some, but I think a lot of those are pretty good. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. Shout out to Keith Farner again from Saturday down South, putting all this together. Uh, Keith, we hated all your picks. They were terrible and you were completely wrong. Uh, Marler, he is a college football uncensored podcast. Let everybody know where they could find your stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we got the new podcast and you're going to be just getting a, a double header with, with me and Gordy. Uh, Cause we'll be on that one as well. Um, but yeah, so every Monday and Wednesday, usually we put out a new episode, find on Spotify. I'm Vern Funquist, like you said, on Twitter and Instagram, and that's it. He is Chris Marler. Follow him on Twitter at Vern Funquist, V-E-R-N. Marler, we'll do it again soon, man. Thanks for the time. Thank you, man. Continue on here on Locked On SEC. And thanks again to uh, Chris Marler for joining us to talk on the latest with the SEC meetings and scheduling. And, of course, uh, we'll keep you up to date with all the latest. Will we get a vote today? Uh, we will find that out. We'll bring it all to you tomorrow on Locked On SEC. So shout out to our everydayers. Check us out every day and check us out tomorrow as we find out the fate of the 2024 SEC football schedule all right uh one last thing before we get out of here today we hit the deadline for college basketball players to pull their names out of the draft and come back for another season or opt to stay in the draft so we figure we'll run through the list first off let's start with who is going who is headed to the nba and deciding not to take their name out we start with oscar shibway at kentucky the big man at kentucky wrote it on instagram he'll remain the nba draft he uh said it's time to begin his professional career. Thanked Big Blue Nation. Of course, he was the National Player of the Year in 2021-2022. Big-time rebounder. Tied for 15th for the most career rebounds in a college career. Set the Kentucky single-season record for total rebounds as a senior. Um, started his career at West Virginia. Transferred to Kentucky in 2021. And was just one of the dominant players in all of SEC hoops. So, with, we wish uh, Oscar Shibway the best of luck. The other Kentucky guy... Uh, also foregoing his college eligibility is Chris Livingston, six foot seven prospect, uh, made his decision to uh, uh, not withdraw, and uh, he was a five star recruit, averaged six points, four rebounds in twenty two minutes per game last season with uh, Kentucky. So Chris Livingston is moving on as well. Another one, a little bit surprising in some circles, Missouri's Kobe Brown. He's currently projected as a second round pick. He will keep his name in the NBA draft. Six foot eight, average close to 16 points, six rebounds, two and a half assists last year at Mizzou. Shot 45% from three. Was one of the best players in the SEC last season. Started all 34 games and, again, was one of my favorite players to watch in uh, the SEC this year. Really great year at Mizzou, but, man, projected as a second-round pick, and he's going to make the jump. So uh, best of luck to Kobe Brown. Over at Kentucky, or, or sorry, Tennessee, Julian Phillips, he has decided uh, that he uh, is going to keep his name in the NBA draft. He got some positive feedback that caused him to forego his plans to explore the transfer portal. He's a former five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American, uh, scored double figures 13 times, grabbed 10 or more rebounds three times last year, led the Vols in rebounding six times, and steals four times. So best of luck to Julian Phillips. All right, who is coming back 
to the SEC next year. When we start, Antonio Reeves at Kentucky made his announcement. He is withdrawing his name from the NBA draft. Now, here's the problem. It's unclear if Reeves will go back to Kentucky and play for John Calipari. Uh, Antonio Reeves was named the SEC Sixth Man of the Year. Saw action in all 34 games, made 14 starts, was second on the team with 14.5 points per game, made a team-high 83-pointers. That production was the 12th most in a single season in Kentucky history. Now, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio tweeted out, Reeves will consider a return to Kentucky. He plans to meet with John Calipari in the coming days. NIL and a role at the forefront, or is a role at the forefront of those conversations, We'll go from there regarding other potential options. Now, Pilgrim said he has a long list of suitors waiting for him. He's a fifth-year scoring guard. A lot of teams are going to want Antonio Reeves. He says the ball is now at Kentucky's court. So basically, Kentucky, if the Kentucky fans and boosters, whoever could step up and get take care of Antonio Reeves and give him NIL deals, sounds like he may stay. So that's one we'll keep worth uh, is worth tracking. But uh, again, Antonio Reeves not going to the NBA draft but not necessarily coming back to Kentucky. We'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, over at Tennessee, Josiah Jordan-James. He is coming back for a fifth and final year at Tennessee. He announced a little bit of a shock, but I know Tennessee fans are excited about that. Uh, the Vols have been right at the scholarship limit of 13 for some time uh, after they brought in the transfer of Dalton uh, Necht from North Northern Colorado. But Josiah Jordan-James coming back means... Look, big things for Tennessee uh, because the Vols are set to return two strong 50-year veterans in him and all-SEC guard Santiago Vescovi. This guy Ziggler is back, so the Vols are going to be fun to watch next year. Congrats to James on coming back to Tennessee. Over at Arkansas, guard Devo Davis withdrawing his name from the NBA draft. He's coming back to the Razorbacks for another season. Good defender, averaged close to 11 points per game last year. His best game of the year came against Kansas in the NCAA tournament where he went off for 25 points and that upset victory. So Devo Davis, welcome back. He is back with the Hawks. Over at Auburn, their big man Dylan Cardwell, he is uh, coming back. He officially announced he is withdrawing from the draft or return for another season. Played in 32 games for Auburn last year but had just one start. 6'11", 250 pounds. Jalen Williams is coming back to Auburn as well. 6'8", 230 pounds. Uh, Ford last season was Auburn's third leading scorer at 11 points per game, third leading rebounder, played and started in 33 games of the season, uh, also made the second most three-pointers on the team. He was part of a senior class that was one of the winningest in program history, and uh, he is coming back. So Jalen Williams and Dylan Card uh, Cardwell back for Auburn. Over to Alabama, Javon Quinterly. Announced he is coming back for another season in Tuscaloosa. Big news for the Crimson Tide. Uh, he came off the bench, earned co-six-man of the year honors, fighting some injuries, but averaged eight, eight and a half points a game, three and a half assists. And if you missed it earlier this week, Mark Sears announced he's coming back for another season at Alabama. So uh, Sears averaged 12 and a half points a game last year and three and a half rebounds. So there you have it. That is the list of all the guys that are coming back or – Going into the NBA draft again, the deadline was last night, so that is the latest there. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And uh, again, subscribe. Make sure you're checking us out every day. Tomorrow, we'll have the news. Are we going to have an eight-game or a nine-game schedule? Did they vote on it today? 
We'll bring all that to you tomorrow on Locked on SEC. So shout out to our everydayers. Make sure you're coming back and checking us out. And uh, I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.